Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If we were to make a line graph out of your life, what do you think that would look like? Or if we were to make a line graph out of your spiritual life, faith life, how might you, what would that look like? Would it look like this? Well, that isn't your spiritual life or your life. Guess what that is? It's, yeah, it's the Dow Jones from 1899 through 2009. So it's mostly up, but there's a very big down, right? You can guess where that is. Great Depression. So that's the Dow Jones. That's not your life. Sorry. But there are some downs, but you might want that, right? You might say, hey, I'll take that. There's one big down, largely up, but, but some downs here. Yeah, we get that. Probably not, though. If you're honest, the next graph might be a little bit more what your life and what your faith life might feel like or look like. Right? <laughs> more like your heartbeat. Up, up, but then many times... As soon as an up, you feel quite down, and then, okay, evened out. And then, or maybe you might want it to be some sort of version of the two if possible, right? I think there's something in us that desperately want our life, and particularly our faith life, to feel like it's always improving, up and up, always getting better. We're, we're not struggling with the same things we used to. We, we grow in faith more. We trust God more. We become more obedient and I think if we're honest with ourselves and truly honest with ourselves and with God, it's just not that simple, is it? It's, it's a lot more complicated. This Lent, we're going to talk about complicated faith. You probably still struggle with many things you hoped you had long been past. Or one moment that you feel close to God and then the next moment you wonder if God cares about you at all. If we're honest with ourselves, we're honest with God, life and faith and growing in faith, they're complicated, aren't they? Well, we're going to study somebody this Lent who lived a very complicated life of faith, and that's David. King David started as a lowly shepherd boy who would then later slay the warrior giant and become king. And we often want to pick off the good things and then forget about the others. But if you read through a very long story throughout the Old Testament of his life, it is very complicated. Very big downs as well as the ups, and very complicated with God and with others. So we're going to just start today, get to know David a little bit, uh, and unpack a lot of this more on Sundays and Wednesdays as we go throughout Lent. But our series is called Complicated Faith, King David. So David, who is he? First things we generally know about him is that he's a young shepherd, which is not a very good job, a lowly job, but apparently he's playing music for the sheep, keeping them happy, but also a musician. What is the, probably the one story we might all recognize if we hear David? David and what story? Yes, that's, that's the story most well known, and I'll show you in a minute where that fits into his life. So King David lived, that's hard for you to see, I'm sorry. I was trying to fit a bunch of stuff on the screen. Uh, he lived, basically think, 1000 B.C. 
Uh, 70, live 70 years, 1040 to 970. Think 1000 B.C. David, 1000 B.C. David, 1000 years before Jesus. At age 16 is when he's anointed king. We'll look at that on Sunday. And he's also appointed Saul, King Saul of the Times, musician. So he's anointed to be a king in secret while Saul is still king. And age 17 is the story. We, if we know nothing else about David, that's what we know. That happened when you're 17. Can you imagine the only thing people remember about you is something you did in your 17? Most of his 20s, he's actually a fugitive from Saul because although he was popular after, after uh, killing Goliath, then Saul couldn't stand that with his pride and ego. So he's on the run for his life, most of his 20s. But age 30, he's made king of Judah, his tribe, one of the 12, but not king of all of them. So he's seven and a half years king of Judah, and then at 37, unites the whole kingdom and is king of Israel. And he's king for 40 years. So 37, king of, uniting it all, and then the other thing you might know for him is the ordeal with Bathsheba. King uh, abused power in many ways, had an affair with somebody, not his wife, got away to murder her husband, did all sorts of terrible stuff. Prophet Nathan confronts him, and he repents and says, you're right, I have sinned, uh, and that's what we confessed in Psalm 51. That all happens when he's 51. So all the way after that, uh, and then from then on, more tough things happen. Most of his 60s, his sons are fighting for power, so I'm trying to kill him at times. So you might say not the best dad in the world. If your kids want to kill you and each other, that might be a sign of maybe not the best parent out there. Uh, And then at age 70, he dies. And yet, David is called a man after God's own heart. In the Old Testament, when, he, when Samuel anoints him, but then in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, he's called a man after God's own heart, yet he has blood on his hands, murder, war, adultery, uh, conspiring to kill other people. And, and not particularly a good father. He was, yes, he was forgiving to some of his enemies, but he was ruthless to others at times. And every time David seems to do something good, you read further on and then it's followed up with something bad. It's like one step forward, one or two steps back. His life and his faith were very complicated. But yet there was one thing throughout his whole life that David always seemed to get. And that was this. He somehow got God. He understood that God loved him, that there wasn't life apart from God, that being human, what it meant to be human is to be in a relationship with God, and that God loves him and that God offers forgiveness and nobody else can. David got that God was gracious and forgiving. And so despite all these things, you're like, man, we shouldn't look up to him. You could find a whole list of things to say why David's not a good guy. You could find all of those blunders, all of those sins. But in every single one of those, he never ran away from God because he knew what God was like. God was absolutely loving no matter what and absolutely forgiving no matter what. So when he's confronted by Nathan about Bathsheba, of course, he says, he writes, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, not according to my record. He says, I know my sin. I need your compassion. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your spirit from me. Restore to to me the joy of your salvation 
and grant to me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then he says, when you do that to me, God, then I'll become an evangelist. I'll tell other people. He says, then I will teach other sinners your ways so that they'll turn back too. So in his moment of deepest, darkest sin, he says, God, forgive me. And if you forgive me, I'll be the biggest evangelist in the world to tell other people how loving and forgiving you are. If you, and myself included, if we are honest about our faith and our life, it's probably more complicated than you want it to be, isn't it? The things you struggle with, the mistakes you've made that you know you shouldn't have, or the things you're tempted towards that you know aren't good for you and aren't God's will. While life and faith might be complicated, God's love isn't. God's grace isn't. It's there for you because of Jesus. Jesus willingly walks from the glory of the Mount of Transfiguration to the shame of the Mount of Calvary to extend his wide open arms of love that bled for you. It's a done deal. And it's there for you over and over and over again. And so, as we'll see throughout Lent, David's story points to Jesus. There's so many parts of him that point in miraculous ways to Jesus. Not just that they were both born in Bethlehem, and many things about David are true about Jesus as well. A thousand years before, all of those things are true. But it's that Jesus is truly perfect in every way where David is not. And if there's anything we take from David, it's that he knew who God was. And that same God is here for you tonight. However complicated your life might be right now or your faith might be right now, God's grace is here for you. And Jesus' arms are wide open for you. Amen.